right here, so. Oh, we talked to him. Cole talked it. Okay. Try to get up. Yeah. Welcome to the Bogey Boys podcast. Joined you by Kevin and Mark as always. We've got a guest, Mr. Chris Rice. How are we, brother? What's up, boys? How are we doing? Very Thanks, good. Mate. How are you? Yeah, all good, mate. Living, living the dream, as everyone would say. That's it. <laughs> not quite. I'm not sure that's quite true, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out today. It looks yeah. good. I know it's. It's only, it's only like 85 here in Florida. It's a bit, oh. different, a bit different than you boys back in the UK. <laughs> oh, you've got, yeah. Short, short, short and t-shirt weather here, but... 8.5, yeah. <laughs> getting better, Loco, man. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Slowly coming down. How's things over in America, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, just sort of settling in a little bit more now. Obviously, last year we had a bit of a... Obviously, with lockdown and stuff, so I was sat on my ass for like five months. Um, but yeah, come back out here, sort of end of May last year, got settled with the kids and, and, and family and stuff like that. And yeah, it's been good just to get back to work was nice. Yeah. Um, after so long off. But yeah, all good. And you're currently on Harold Vine the third back on the Yeah. Yeah, I've been working for Harold for, for probably five months now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. He's great. He's great to be around. Uh, got so much. Laugh every so time much. you see him in the interviews, now he's always having a little buzz in there. Yeah, he's got so much energy, and he's like, he's, I mean, he's a people's person. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. everyone. Everyone loves how much energy he's got, and yeah, he's great to work. He's been good to work for. That's for sure. Yeah, which makes fun. the which makes the which makes the job a little bit easier as well, especially when you're away for for, for so long as well. Yeah, <laughs> as part of these podcasts we've been doing, like you see, uh, we've been doing a professional reason, just getting the inside stories of the players around the tours. But obviously, you're a, you're a professional caddy, um, so just good to get to get a bit of insight as to what it takes to become a caddy. But you weren't always a caddy, was you? Back in your amateur days, quite quite a decent player. Well, I used to take a few quid off you in the past, day, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'll uh, I'll say that you probably kicked my ass a few times as well, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I used to play. I used to play a little bit. Obviously, grew up, grew up playing like local municipal golf course over at Bootle. Yeah. Uh, grew up with you boys and and Finno, who's now carrying for Tommy. So that's where we that's where we sort of started, and then we uh, I moved to Formby All and Southport and Ains Thailand. Played at played at a decent level. I was off plus two playing amateur golf and playing all the amateur events and. Uh, and I, I, I played good, but then I struggled a little bit towards the end, like when I played in these big events and I started questioning whether it was the right route to go down. And again, it's it, coming from all amateurs nowadays, it's so hard to get sponsorship. And if you haven't got that back end to go and to be able to afford to go and play these big events, it's, it's hard. Um, so I was good pals with, uh, with Dave Horsey. Uh, we used to play a lot of big amateur events together. And obviously I'd missed a couple of cuts and, a carry for him on the weekends. And one, he was just about, I think it was probably August time, just before he was going to turn pro. Um, he asked me to carry in a, in a challenge store event over at Worsley, Worsley Marriott in Manchester. And he was leading after two rounds. Yeah. And he's like, right, I'll see you tomorrow. I was like, can't come. I've got a Lancashire game. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm playing for Lancashire. I've got a county game on the weekend. He's like, well, well like, I think we were leading or we were one behind or whatever. And he's like, oh, all right, no worries. And I went and played the county. And I think he ended up finishing top 10. Um, and then a few weeks later, he was playing the Walker Cup, uh, Great Britain and Ireland v. America over at uh, Royal County Down. Oh, and I got a phone call. I got a, you know, what a golf course that is. Um, and I got a phone call saying, would you be interested in coming to caddy for me at, uh, at the Walker Cup? So I was like, yeah, I loved it. I enjoyed doing it. So I went and caddy from there. He got top point scorer as well, which was pretty good. And we, the funny thing is, we actually beat Webb Simpson twice. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, I actually laugh about I actually laugh at Webb about that nowadays. It's quite funny. And then week after, we went to tour school, European tour school, first stage at St Anne's Old Links, um, which he won. I think he won by about five or six. Um, and then he got a couple of invites onto Challenge Tour. And at, the, at this time, I was still working part-time in the, in the golf shop at Hilston Hall. So I was like sort of juggling, playing, carrying for him and sort of working in the shop as well. So I carried for him in 
I can't even him in like three events on the challenge tour and he finished I think he finished third in one 15th in another and top 30 in another one which then he got his playing rights for the for the following year so he's like listen like I want you to carry for me full time like what are you thinking and I was like yeah well I was struggling I was struggling when I was playing so I was like and obviously working in the shop wasn't ideal so I'm like yeah let's give it a go so we went first year on Challenge Tour. He won twice, and he won the Order of Merit. So I was like, "This is golden." I've got, I've gone from making like 150 quid a week to making like my first paycheck was like three grand when he won the first Challenge Tour event. I was like, "Can't get, can't get enough of this." Yeah. Um, and obviously, when you play and you're winning like vouchers and stuff as an amateur, aren't you? And like, you're like, "Whoa!" Um, so like, we won, won twice with him. Won the Order of Merit, and obviously got his, his tour card got on the European tour and I was with him for geez I was with him for five years won three times with him on the European tour which was nice yeah, well, um, so that, that was basically how I got into it was a bit of a fun I mean and that's the thing I tell a lot of people nowadays like and when people ask me oh how'd you get into carrying and stuff and for me I was lucky like I, knew, I was in the right place at the right time and I knew the right people um, so there's no sort of right way or wrong way to actually get into it it's like I always say now because a lot of the guys are bringing a mate on. It's like who you know and like just start from the bottom, really. Is there any like, way for the listeners listening? Is there any other way than that? Like, there's any like way you can like go and the, and there's like a pool of caddies where they come and pick from it or anything like that, or is it literally just who you know, Keith? Uh, who you know? Not. I mean, not. I mean, it's not. It's not all about who you know. Like I like I said to you, I've, I've had a lot of people message me and ask me like what the best way to get into it is, and I always say. It's it's hard for me to just go over to a, a European tour guy or a PJ tour guy and say, listen, I've got a guy who wants to come out carrying, not really got any experience. Like, what are you thinking? They're not going to say, oh, yeah, let's put him on the big step, like in yeah. big events. And I always say just the best thing for, for me, and especially was, was doing like events, like local events, go to European tour school or go and get a good amateur that's coming through who's just going to turn pro and just try and try and make that journey with them. and. And I think you get a lot of satisfaction out of like helping a guy progress, like through European Tour School, through Europe Euro Pro, through Challenge Tour, um, and then you sort of you get out here and you get recognised. And I think that's the easiest way to do it because the guys just think, oh, you can just go and get a job on the European Tour, and it's not that easy nowadays. Well, it's like um, any job, isn't it? You, you go into a job and you've got no experience, you've never done it before, and then you're like, "Oh, can I come and do that?" And you're like, "No, you can't." Like, but if you've but done we, it times, you can. You're going to be have more of a shot, aren't you? Exactly, and we always we always take the mick out of Finno, and we always say, "Well, it's either that or you've got a best mate who's just going to play win like five times a year on the European tour, like Tommy." <laughs> <laughs> so we we always take the mick out of him for that. Um, because I've done a few podcasts with Finno and, and Finno, they always have, Finno always gets asked the same question. Oh, so what would you do? And we always go, well, just know your best mate's like unbelievable at golf and then just get him on, get on the bag with him. <laughs> that's Finno's but top yeah. tip, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's Finno's tip of the week for the year. Um, but yeah, I think, that's the, I think that's the best way and I think that's the advice I would give to a lot of like young guys, especially trying to get on tour. Like, and at the start of last year, just before COVID, it, me and Smarty, who carries for, he now carries for Rasmus Hoygaard, who won the Masters with Danny, we were going to set up like a caddy school so we could sort of train them and and, fig, and show them what we actually do on the golf course so that they can get that experience rather than just going into it blind sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously obviously COVID it, so we, we got sort of set back a little bit of that one. So are you gonna are you gonna carry on doing that then once co- once post COVID? Yeah, I mean it. I mean it's gonna be a little bit different now because obviously I'm full time out in America, um, and he's back in he's back in Europe. Hopefully, yeah. I mean that's something that we we had it all set up and ready to go. Uh, we were looking at venues to do like two day course where they could come and, we, and even even for for like higher standard golfers who were off like scratch and stuff, we were gonna do a lot of course management stuff and try and put the our caddy in sort of thought into into trying to improve their games and stuff like that and again we we stopped with that because of COVID but yes I mean hopefully down the line that's something we'll try and pick up on and try and sort of get it going which would be good for because we had quite a, quite a lot of interest in it um, but again if there's no natural progression to do it it makes sense to give people the tools doesn't it well, what have you been out there for now how many years oh, I've been out here this is my 13th year out here now 
Exactly, yeah. So you can't buy that type of experience, can you? So no, exactly. And I think that's I think that's what we looked at. There wasn't really many many guys out there that were doing it. So that's the sort of the route that we were going to go down just to try. I mean, because you get a lot of satisfaction out of helping these boys as well, especially like guys who are off like scratch and plus one and stuff like that that are at a bit of a like they've stopped sort of thing and they can't really progress and they're good enough to make it. It's just it's just sometimes the decision making that they they do on the golf course and stuff that we were going to try and help with them. Um, but again, it's the, the caddying side of it would have been great for the, for the younger guys who are coming out of college or wherever who want to get into caddying and, yeah. and give them that bit of experience and then go to tour school and then you go like, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've caddied in these amateur events. And it's like, you get that experience rather than being like a rabbit in headlights and like, what do we do here? Sort of thing. It's, it's so, great on these routes when like, Loads of the professionals are coming on and they're talking and they're like, oh, it's all about the money and hard work and determination. But we had another caddy on, uh, Conor Wynn Stanley, who caddies for Richard Mansell. And the first thing that Richard Mansell said was, because Conor went to the Armour Palmer Trophy and just picked up a bag randomly and done it for just yeah. for crack. And that Richard Mansell said, if he didn't have the Arnold Palmer on his CV, then he wouldn't have took him. So it's brilliant yeah. that what you're saying is exactly the same. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, it's just all about experience. Like these, there's so much money to be played for out there on both tours, on the European tour and on the PGA tour. And these guys, these guys have to be on the ball. And I think if they they want a caddy who's got a bit of experience, they know what to say at certain times. And and it's all about the player feeling comfortable as well. Do you know what I mean? They've got to get on with the guy that that's carrying the bag. Yeah. Like for me, there's like I can never there's good caddies and whatever, but. At the end of the day, you're only as good as your player. And if you if your player gets on with you and you have a laugh with him and you make him feel comfortable and you say the right things at the right time, then do you know what I mean? That's all you need to do. But it's also it's also trying to be comfortable in them situations and experience like carrying in, in different events, you get that experience from doing it. Definitely. Just going back a bit there, right? Yeah, do you know when you was doing horses events in like the Walker Cup and then you went your turn pro? Like how do you come to an agreement on wages and different things? When once he once he's obviously getting paid, then you're saying you got your first paycheck and stuff. Like, how does that contract sort of work? Because there's no like governing body for caddies or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys don't really have contracts. It's all mutual. It's all uh, mutual consent between the periods, and and it's all. It, a lot of these caddies are on average wages, so there's an average wage on tour, and then obviously you, you get your percentages, and the better the player does, the better you do. So. When I obviously when I first started talking about wages and stuff, and he was like, "Give me numbers," because at the end of the day, you got to remember that we've we've got to pay our own expenses and stuff like that. So everything everything adds up. So um, it's not just like, "Oh, we're getting a shed load of money and we're not paying anything." It's like it's not as easy as what everyone makes out because we've we've got to pay flights, you've got to pay hotels, you've got to eat. Definitely. And obviously, if you if you're working for a guy that's not making any money, it's it's hard. Um, but when I uh, because I was only on like 100, I was working sort of part-time at the golf club and you're only on like 150, 200 quid a week or whatever. And then when someone offers you a wage, you're like, whoa, I got it. I'll have a bit of that. Even if it's a hundred quid more at the time, I was like, what, 18? Yeah. Oh, I was probably a bit, I was probably a bit older, 20. You just like, it's not really about the money. It's about like, I want to get out on tour and I want to get that experience. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, money's the money side of it's massive, but I think it's the whole experience of just being out there is is worth it. Well, that's it. I might say you go up playing with horses, you mate, you want to see them. Yeah. Ultimately, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with Finno with Tommy. Like everyone talks about how much how much money they make, but at the end of the day, Finno's so passionate about it, and all he knows that Tommy's one of his best mates, and he's grew up playing with Tommy, and and he wants him to do well. Cool. Yeah, the money's a bonus, but. At the end of the day, you want to be, you want them to win golf tournaments and be in contention to win golf tournaments, and I think you get a lot of buzz out of that as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got you've got people who rely on you as well, like kids, family, different things. So it's, yeah, you've got to do do it for money, haven't you? At the end of the day, exactly. And as I say, it's not it's not all rosy like out here, and you get guys, you get the top guys that make a lot of money. Yeah, they do, and there's a lot of money to be made out here. But you've got to remember, there's guys out here that like they're away from the families. For 26, 30 weeks a year, and and if they're working for a guy that's struggling on tour for a year or whatever, it's it's hard yeah. because then you start then you're starting to think about well how does how does the money come in for the bills? How do you pay this? How do you pay that? Obviously, certain people are, are sort of luckier than others, and, and they're not having to worry about that. But 
it's just the way of life. Everyone thinks it's a big holiday out here and everyone's like, yeah, I love it. It's the best thing ever. And yeah, it's great. But there's, there's, there's downsides to it at the same time as well. Well, talk, talk to us a bit about the, um, the, the day in the life of a caddy then, Ricey. So like what, what goes into a, just a normal day on a tour? You're getting ready for a Thursday to Sunday. How does, how does that prep work? Well, I mean, I like to, like, say, say so for example, next week we're going to play Arnold Palmer. Um, I like to I like to get there and do my work before my player gets there because I don't like to be like on the golf course with him and I don't know where I'm going and he's asking me like where do I hit it what do we do here what do we do there and I'm like well, I don't know I've not been here before <laughs> so I like I, I like to get I like to get there sort of Monday morning and I'll I'll get everything sorted I'll get my yardage books get the locker sorted so I'll get his golf balls I mean it's a bit different now with COVID because we have to we get tested every week so. And everything's sort of different, the sanitizing stations and stuff like that. Um, but I get his golf balls, I get his gloves, they're all in the locker. Um, we get the yardage books, and then I'll I'll go out and I'll walk it and I'll I'll stand. I mean, I a tendency is to walk it with the lads, so I'll walk it with Finno or walk it with the other caddies. Um, and it's just checking all the numbers in the in the yardage book that all the numbers are correct, all the lines that we're gonna take on certain T's are, are correct. Um and I always start, like I'll, I'll I'll spend a good few hours out there, like where to hit it off the tee, where not to hit it, um, and then it sort of approaches into greens, like where we can miss it to certain flags, where we where we can't miss it, like where's dead, where's the best spot, um, and then just basically just mapping out the greens. I mean, listen, these yardage books nowadays are so good. It's just more like just getting getting it fixed in your head so that you're sort of memorizing it. And then, yeah, I sort of do that Monday. And then Tuesday, we'll tend to play, like, depending if we're in the Pro-Am, we'll play nine holes or 18 holes on a, on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, on the PGA Tour now, they're, they're doing, like, nine-hole Pro-Ams. So they, the, the amateurs are getting the best of both worlds. So they're getting, like, say, Harold for nine holes. And then the back nine, they'll play with Tommy. Yeah. Um, so all, all, my, all my work's done on the Monday, really. Like I try and do it all before he gets there. So then when I go out on the Tuesday, I know where, what to hit off the tee. Like I'll have certain places. This is where we need to hit it off this tee. This is where we need to hit it off that tee. Um, so everything's done in my book on Monday. So that when we get there Tuesday, it's like, right, there we go. Um, then we'll play 18, we'll play 18 holes or nine holes, depending on whether we're in the pro-am. Probably do a bit of practice and, and just, just get sort of ready for the week, really. Um, as the week goes on, we'll just sort of do more specific work, like holding outputs and hitting certain shots that we're going to be hitting on the golf course, and yeah, just keeping it in tune for Thursday, really. And then obviously, when the tournament starts, like on the PGA Tour, we get the pin positions the night before, so we can we can write all the pin positions in the yardage book ready. So like, we'll obviously mark them in the book like round one, and then say it's on the left side, like we'll put like we need to miss it on the right side or. If we miss it left, we're dead. We're making bogey or whatever. Um, and just sort of getting ready the night before so that on Thursday when we're here, we're not like, oh, what do we do here? What do we do there? Yeah. And that's it, really. I mean, and then obviously we're, we're ready to go. I'll meet them. I'll meet them an hour before and we'll set up like putting drills and stuff like that. Uh, we'll do like 20 minutes putting then go eat some chips and then warm up and then, yeah, we're ready to go. You mentioned there about the, the yardage books being so good. I just want to touch on... Um... Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, the USGA said that distant measuring devices are going to be used. Yeah. What's your whole opinion on that? Do you think that's going to be a positive or negative? I mean, again, I think it's you'll get mixed reviews on it. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know whether they're doing it to improve the pace of play. I don't think it will do because every caddy, especially me, is always going to still check the front number. They're still going to check the pin number. So you're still going to go through your yardage book, even though you've zapped it. Yeah. You're double checking it against your yardage book. So it's different if you just walk up and zap it and just take the club out and go. Yeah. And uh, out of the 144 guys that are out there playing, I don't, I very rarely think anyone will be doing that because yeah. they've got all the information in the yardage book. They want to know where the pin is on, what it is to the front, where they need to pitch it. I think the only the only advantage to it is if you're 50 yards offline or you're on another fairway where there's no sprinkler heads where you can't get a yardage uh, and on the angle on the angles to a certain flag <laughs> yes yeah, for you especially for me when I was playing a bootle after show um, I think that's the only advantage of bringing it in is in the lasers 
I definitely don't think it's going to improve the pace of play yeah. because, again, you're going to see all the caddies still doing the yardage books. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I don't, I can't see the PGA Tour bringing it in for sure. Yeah. I think, I think it'll just be one event, and they'll, they'll get some feedback on it. I don't know. I don't think it's a great idea, but it is what it is. Yeah. So, so it's a bit about the Masters, right? See, uh, obviously, <laughs> biggest tournament for us. What's, what's that? What's that week like? It's, it's funny you should talk about that because we actually, I done a podcast last year, me, Finno, and Smarty. Yeah. Um, about the Masters, it was just basically purely on the Masters. And you, I, I listen, to it. have you listened to it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Listen, from me growing up, and you both know, from a young age, you the, the Masters is the biggest golf. I mean, apart from for, for us as being English, is the Open. The Open, you everyone wants to be at the Open, carry in the Open, but the Masters is the hardest to get in from a from a professional point of view. And it's, it's, me, it's one of, from a uh, fan point of view as well. <laughs> but that's what I mean, and that's what I'm going to get to. So <laughs> I've obviously, I've obviously grew up, and I've always wanted to go to Augusta. You always watch it on TV, and you, you just can't wait for the day that you actually get there. So the first year I was carrying for a carry for Tyrrell, um, and we qualified for the Masters. We were top fifty in the world, and it was, I think, it was Finno's. It was Finno's first year as well. So growing up from a kid with Finno watching the Masters and it was going to be our first time there, we got there on the Sunday and we were just like, we were like two kids at Christmas. We were like, whoa, I'm going to like, is that, is that we were like, were you still a picture together? In your, in- on, on, the, on the 18th green, were you not allowed phones on there? <laughs> and Finno, and you know what Finno's like, so we go out and we get there and we're like, we can't wait to get the, the overall on the green hat. And it was like, whoa, wow. And we went there on the, we went there on the Sunday. Um, and it was obviously no fans there, like when we went out. Yeah. So it was just literally like you're in awe of the place. And then me and Finno, me and Finno went out. Uh, we walked the golf course, and obviously you're not allowed phones there. So we walked the golf course, and we're doing, we're spending as long as we can out there. Normally we'd spend like a few hours. I felt like we were out there for about eight hours. We were just like, oh, look at that, <laughs> look at that tree. Well, oh, look at that blade of grass. It's like not a divot out here. It was just like, wow, oh, good is this place. And obviously, it's everyone's dream to be at Augusta from it, from like, the, um, but to be inside the ropes and be able to carry in it, and especially like from a fan point of view as well. So, like as the week went on, it was just like you sort of get into tournament mode and you sort of you're in you're in the zone sort of thing. Obviously, you're still at Augusta, but you've got at the end of the day, you've got a job to do. Um, and un- unfortunately, we missed the cut. And Finno Finno's wife was out there, Rachel. Yeah, and. and so was it the Finno made a cut? Anyway, so on the on the Friday we missed the cut and everyone's like, Oh, you're coming home. I'm like, no chance, I'm going home. Yeah. I'm going to watch the Masters as a fan. Because you don't really get like you, you obviously get a of the atmosphere, but until you're actually outside the ropes in with the in with the patrons, it's like, whoa. So I was like, I'm going up there, I'm gonna have a few drinks. Me and Rach and Finno had a few drinks. I think he had Zara with him at the time as well. Um, get a chair. Well, we just sat in some random chairs. That's like, you should be banned. But that, that's, <laughs> that's what you, I mean. That's what everyone does. I mean, <laughs> I was hardly going to go out there with a chair because uh, because you can't put it anywhere. Everyone's out there at like seven o'clock in the morning with all the chairs out. I mean, it's literally you don't see any people. You just see chairs everywhere. So did you, did you know what I mean? So we went there, and I was just like. We got these, we got these pints of beer and like masters cups. And I was like, Oh, how, how good are these cups? I'm like, I'm taking them home with me. So we were like just we were going back to the bar, just getting beers just so we can get the cups, and we were just filling the cups. Um, you see the fellas me, walking with about 40 of them, don't you? Yeah, like, you got about 40, yeah. <laughs> because they're about they're like a dollar like two dollars a pint of beer. Yeah. Man. So it's cheap. I mean, it's cheap, and we were just literally and honestly, me and me, Finno and Rach, we'd had a few drinks. Got a little bit tipsy, and it was just like we just sat. We sat behind the the, the what the ball holder we sit behind. The, we sat behind the sixth, the par three, and just sat there, just watching shots come in, and to watch it, to be inside the ropes for the first two days, and then to actually go and watch it as a spec because you don't really when you're inside the ropes, you don't really get the feeling of it. Like obviously the atmosphere and stuff's great, but until you're outside the ropes and watching it as a spectator was just unbelievable the first time I ever went. 
it was so good. Like, and obviously being here with Finno, we've grew up together. Like as Bootle boys watching watching the Masters on the TV to be there together as our first time was class. Really good. That's sick. And I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate enough to be there, and uh, this I've been there three times now. And we made the we made the cut the year after, which I mean, we actually made the cut, and we were so a story. We played with Billy Horschel on the Sunday of Tiger's comeback. So Tiger was last game out. Was he last game out? I think he was last game out on the front nine, and we were last game out on the back nine. So we we were finishing on the ninth hole when he was coming up eighteen, but the roars from around the golf course were. Roars, I've never heard anything like it in my life. I was like, oh, it was actually giving me goosebumps listening to it because everyone was just like, Tiger. Like, and then we finished on the ninth green when he, when he, when he finished, when he won. And I mean, he was by the clubhouse when we, when we walked past it. was just like, oh, the noise was electric. It was like, it, I know you boys don't like this. It was like being like at Anfield on a Champions League night. You boys have never experienced that. I know. Yeah, that. We'll edit that bit up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you were going to go down the derby with on on the weekend, but I had to get that in. <laughs> hey, right. I remember uh, when Tiger held that put. I was with um, a couple of your good mates, Dave uh, and Mike Williams, and and uh, Dave Wilden, and then Mike yeah. was like, "Is it right? He's there." As if Mike's uh, like Mike's n- n- Tiger's number one That's fan, and he, since yeah. he was since he was in nappies, yeah, he is he put his golf swing around Tiger. Everything was just Tiger. He used to wear the same clothing as him and everything. I can I can only imagine what Mike was doing. <laughs> Honestly, he was fuming. I bet he was. Yeah, Love it. That must have been so sick though, being there on that year and everything that was going on. Oh, like I say to you, from forget the forget being there as a caddy, like. Everyone, everyone loves Tiger. Do you know what I mean? Everyone like, especially the comeback that he's he's had him to go and do what he done that year was just, and to be to be inside the ropes listening to the roars and like fans cheering him on, it was just, as I say, I got goosebumps. It was actually weird. And <laughs> I, it, it, I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was class, uh, an experience I'll never forget. That's for sure. Yeah, just you mentioned there about um, the green books. Is there a big difference with not having the green books at a Masters? Yeah, they don't they don't allow them at the Masters. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of guys, a lot of guys rely on them, so they will obviously rely more on. I mean, it, for me, it takes the it takes the natural ability. I, I mean, these guys growing up, they didn't get on tour by having a greens book. Nice. They didn't get on tour by they didn't get on tour by being bad butters. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, they they help them, and and obviously it improves them, but it takes the skill away from green beating, I think. Um, so that week's that week, you'll see the guys really who are who are the best putters. They will really come through because they. I mean, this Augusta's greens are the hardest greens in the world to read at the best of times, especially without the greens. But so I mean, the skill then comes into it. Obviously, the caddies will go out during the week and they'll know where all the falls are on the greens, where the breaks are. So it obviously helps them doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I like it. I think it, I think it's good not having them that week. It just takes that takes that away of like, oh, and, and and sometimes it slows them down. Sometimes it doesn't. So I think it's good not not having them that week for me personally. Uh, just for the listeners, right? So we're going to go back on a little timeline because you've obviously caddied for a good few players, haven't you? Yeah. So, like, give us a little timeline of each each player that you've went through, and then and then how it how it's how it's progressed up to obviously Harold Varner now. Yeah, well, as, as I say, I started in I started in with Dave in two thousand and eight. I worked for Dave's been actually the longest guy that I've worked for. I was working for Dave for five years. Um, Obviously, Dave won three times on the European Tour, won twice on Challenge Tour, obviously won the Order of Merits. So I had quite a bit of success with Dave and enjoyed enjoyed every minute of it because obviously like he gave me the opportunity to actually get on tour and and uh, and caddy. Um, so I finished with Dave in 2013. I finished with Dave um, and I got a phone call off Pablo Larathabo at the time. Uh, wanted me to start working with him. So I started working with Pablo. I worked for Pablo for two years, just over two years. I worked for Pablo. Uh, he won, I won two events with him. He won the BMW 
Munich Open and Abu Dhabi. Uh, I then start. I got. I then finished with Pablo in at the end of two thousand and uh, two thousand and fifteen, maybe. Was it 2015? Yeah. And I got, I had a fucking call off, off Tyrrell's manager, Danny Wardrop, who was a good pal of mine. He used to play on, he used to play on tour. Um, and he's like, would you be interested in, in working for Tyrrell? I was like, so Tyrrell called me and he's like, listen, would you be interested in working for me? Like, and I was like, yeah, I can, I've just obviously come out of a job. Like, can you just give me a few days just to think about it and, and ponder stuff over? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. So I went away, I spoke to Holes at the time and I was like, what do you reckon? She's like, go for it so i've phoned him back i was like yeah i'd be interested um so i went down and, and spent some time with him down at his home club done some practice got to know him a little bit and i tell you what that kid could play mm. i worked for him for he was like a hundred and i think he was like a hundred not in the world at the time um and we we had a lot of good finishes and then he won the when i when i work for guys and and you see them coming down the stretch like when they're leading golf tournaments it's it's i mean they obviously get nervous the adrenaline's going when we were, we were leading at the Dunhill links and that it just nothing phased them it, it was like he was just playing he was just like playing around with his mate and he, i think he won by i think he won by like four or five maybe in the end at the Dunhill and then yeah i worked for him for two years and I mean, he was great to work for. Never, ever once did he ever give me shit. Did he ever blame me for stuff? We just come to we just come to an end where we just felt like we both needed a change. Yeah. Um, so we sort of went our separate ways at the end of. I was winning for two years at the end of 2017. Feels like I, I go for, uh, work for guys for like two years, and then I'm I was like, just thinking I, that, yeah. I need to go. I need to go. <laughs> but then I got. But then when I finished with Tyrrell, I had a, I had, a, I had a couple of months off, and then I had a. I had a phone call off uh, Grillo, um, Emiliano Grillo, uh, who wanted me to come and work out on the PGA Tour. And obviously, everyone wants to come and work on the PGA Tour. So, um, yeah, I come out, started working for Emmy. I'd done, I'd done two, and a half, two and a half years with Emmy, which was great. Like, moved out to Florida and spent a lot of time out here. Um, I then moved back to the UK because we, we were having a baby at the time. So we moved back to the UK because we thought, I mean, it was right for all of us at the time. And I was traveling back and forth from America and it was tough. It was hard on the body and the jet lag every week. And I was like, it's just, and it just got a bit stale. And so me and Emmy finished at the, at the start of last year and then obviously COVID hit. So I was obviously sat at home thinking, what am I going to do? Obviously, the Europe, everyone's sat at home. The European tours, obviously, Spain, Italy, all them countries were all like sort of locked down. And, and I'm good pals with Brandon Grace, and Gracie lives out here in America. Um, and he called me. He was like, "How oh, would you be interested in doing like five or six events with me?" My caddy's stuck in South Africa because of COVID. And I was like, "Yeah, cool." And obviously, I was thinking of moving back over here anyway because I thought I didn't want to do the traveling back and forth every week. So I, I up shop and I moved back over, and I done five or six events with him. And then Harold obviously come in and asked me. Uh, with a caddy for him we were doing a bit of bag sharing with him and his him and his caddy um so we done a few events doing that and then obviously i went full-time with harold at sort of the end of last year um yeah and i've been i'm still hanging in there sick that <laughs> so yeah like when you when people are giving you a phone call are they are they just seeing like what you've is your cv anywhere like or do they just know yet or yeah like i said to you before i've been out there for 13 years yeah. like and I think I get you get to know a lot of the guys and you, you get paired in the same group with them and you obviously get on well with them and they see how you work. And I think that's, like I said to you, that's the best, that's how people get noticed, like it's being out in the groups with them and having a bit of a laugh with the lads. And if you get on well and, and the player thinks that you can work well together and that's how it all sort of pans out really. And again, it's over the course of time, you get you get to know these guys. Because yeah. I remember there was a little, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was a whisper going around Formby All when Rory was looking for a new caddy that your, your name was. Yeah, well, that was that was the rumour. And yeah. obviously the, pa- the papers got wind of that. But again, it's all rumours. You know what you know what these guys are like? They'll do anything for a story. Yeah. Um, but listen, I mean, if Rory McIlroy come knocking on my door at the time, I wouldn't be saying no, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and, I think, and I think you've got to back yourself to be able to do that job. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I I I have confidence in my own ability that I'm I'm pretty decent at what I do. And again, you're only sometimes you're only as good as your player, but like you've got to just go in there with confidence, and you. And I think that's that that players see that as well. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But yeah, it was only a, it was only a rumor, I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> a, ru- a rumor that I would have wanted to have come true, but yeah. Not, but obviously, he's got he's he's got his good mate on the bag at the moment, Harry, who's like he's a really good pal of mine, and they get they obviously get on so well together. So I've got a pale question here. Any howlers? Me? Yeah, like have you made any proper naughty mistakes? Uh, like any good? Uh, or any boss stories? Yeah, any boss or any belters where you've made the boss decision? And and it's and it's and it's been you've took a a, a bad decision off a player or anything. Howler, howler's uh, preferred, like <laughs> howler's preferred. Uh, honestly, I know what I'm not going to blow my own trumpet here, but I actually haven't had that where I'm like, oh my god, that is an absolute nightmare. No, obviously, obviously, here and there you make mistakes and you pull a wrong club, and like I think I, I think the one time I mean I was stood at. Carrying for Pablo a French Open I know I'll tell you that one in a minute the French Open one I remember Pablo being because all the guys that I've ever worked for apart from Dave have always carried a, a yardage book I've uh, never carried a yardage book only I've done it so everything's on me so if I make a mistake it's on me because I'm I'm the one that's doing the numbers where Dave was like Dave would double check it and stuff like that so if I got the if I got the spot wrong He'd be like, no, no, it's this, and I'd be like, yeah, right, good. So that, so when I was working for Dave, we didn't really make it too many howlers because he was on the ball as well. Um, but I was carrying for Pablo a French Open, uh, and it was like a long par, a long par four. I'm like, I think we were on the clock or whatever, and I was rushing to get the to get the number, and I I paced it, I paced it from the wrong spot. So I give him like a number that was like two twenty, and I think he had like four iron at the time. And he stood over it, and I'm stood there thinking that does not look two twenty. And I'm looking at my book, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it looks closer, it looks closer. And I've literally, he's got the top of his backswing, and I'm like, whoa! And he's like, shit himself. He's like, what? I'm like, I think I've got the wrong number. Just play with me a second. <laughs> and I'm like, and Mike's flapping. And I'm like flapping because we're already on the clock. And I'm like, so I'm running to the next spot, and I'm like. Shit, I did I actually got it, and it was like thirty out. I think because because oh, no. it's like a it's like a red square or a red circle. So I was just like I just seen it and just added it on. But lucky I was I was stood there looking at it, thinking that's not right, that's not right, that. And I, and I um I lucky I corrected, and we went from like four iron to like seven iron or something. <laughs> <laughs> and over the over the back of the green was dead because the green like from back to front. Yeah. Oh, I mean, either either told me a new one. But I had one that, again, it was another close call at um, Hilton Head when I carried for Tyrrell. It was like a quirky par three over the water. And we had a, we were doing, I think we were, we were doing all right. We were top 10 going into the back nine. And we were playing with Ollie Snydergens, who literally hits his irons so far. So we stood on this, we stood on this par three and they've moved the tee forward a little bit off the plate. So I'm there, I get the number works it all out it's over water to a front flag as well so you've got to and the wind's swirling and I was like oh no here we go so I got I got the number Ollie Snyderton's gone first and it was I think it was like eight iron we were hitting eight iron and we have a we have a guy that carries the microphone next to us and like we have to we have to like give him an indication like eight iron or we go like this wedge or whatever so Ollie Snyderton is like rip this rip this shot he's pitched it straight over the flag to about 20 feet so I'm like, good, good shot, mate. Thinking he's either got nine iron or eight iron. So I go, I go back, and the and the 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 guy who's got the microphones give me one of these as though as your man got pitching with. And I'm like, he's got. I think he had like seven iron or eight iron. So now I'm shitting myself. So I'm thinking I've got the wrong I've got the wrong yardage again. <laughs> so again, Tyrrell is now over it, and I'm looking at my book. I'm looking at my book, thinking, why is he told me he's in wedge? And I, I'm like, again, Tyrrell's got to the, on his backswing and I'm like, whoa. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I just need to double check this number. So I double check it again. And it was right. And I walked over to the to the microphone and we hit it for like 15 feet and he made, and he made birdie, I think. I walked over to the microphone guy. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, well, he's just a pitching wedge. So I thought you were hitting wedge as well. I'm like, 
don't ever say anything like that to me again until I give you the indication. And I was actually shaking because I was like, if we if we mess up here, he's pitching it in the water or he's going along, which was dead as well with the crocodiles. Um, but you yeah, I've not... Just captured on telly, wouldn't it, with you stopping him? <laughs> well, I know, yeah. And he start, But he stood over, he's got back into it and he's pissing himself laughing. And he actually can't hit the shot. He's had to pull away. And he's like, I can't believe you've just done that. I was like, well, I had to make I had to make sure. But well, lucky enough for me, I've not really had any proper bad howlers that I can I can embarrass myself over, that's for sure. Have you backing yourself? There's still any, there's any still there's still time, there's still a lot of time though, boys. <laughs> <laughs> So, Let's well, just yeah. talk about the actual job of of caddying, of like job stability. Like if, when your player's not doing well, and and like it's as I say, it's all about money. You've got a family. Like, how do you do you deal with that? Is it just you just think you're going to get a another bag, or you just you just don't? I just, you tend not to. Think I just, I just think I think the the hardest part is that I mean it's it's easy to sit here and say you don't think about it because yeah, you obviously do. It's like how are you going to pay the bills and stuff. But the good thing about out here is. You're one week away from being back to normal. Do you know what I mean? Like you can struggle for six months or whatever, but then that one week you can go out there and win or finish second, and then it makes up for them six months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but again, it's it's just how you get through it. It's and I can't sit here and say I've not been through it because yeah, I have because when I on my like on my first year of working for Emmy. Like we finished 31st, 32nd on the FedEx. We had a great year. And then next year was we struggled. So you're always, I've gone from like always doing pretty good to to actually getting a feeling of how it feels to like not be bringing a lot of money in and missing the cuts here and there. And and it's hard. But you've always just got to remember that you're one week away from everything. Your, your whole life could change. If you win on this PGA Tour, the money out here is is ridiculous and it's life changing. So I think it's easy it's easy to it's easy to get into the mindset of oh I'm struggling and because then you go out there and you caddy like you're struggling, do you know what I mean? You start making decisions based on well if we if we don't make bird here and we make par and we don't make bogey, then it's I can make an extra and I can't I you can't caddy like that. Because you I can find you yourself like getting angry at them, like why are you making bogey? I've got to feed the yeah, kids. yeah, of course. And I, I, a lot of guys probably do, and it's and it's <laughs> especially at the end of the day, you're a team. Do you know what I mean? You want the best. You want them to do the best, the best they can. But I think if I think when you start thinking like that, you start carrying like that as well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it rubs off on your player as well, which then he's then there's a good chance that he's going to start losing his confidence in 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 what you in your decision making. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think about it because I do. It's natural for you to yeah. for you to worry about where the money's coming from. But again, it is what it is. Like, like I said, so you've just got to go out with it with a positive mindset. And if you are struggling, then you just again you're one you're one week away from from changing your whole life. Unless you carry for Tommy Fleetwood <laughs> and you go from working in a pro shop to making a lot of money. <laughs> Have you seen- but but I, but again and, and I will go back I'll go back to Finno. When Finno I tried to get Finno carry him way before he started carrying for Tommy. And Finno was very comfortable in what he was doing. He was playing a bit of golf. He was happy working in the shop of Form Bjorn and he was having a laugh with the lads. And you you know just as well as I do what Finno's like. He's a people's person, isn't he? Yeah. Um and then finally come out with Tommy. And it was at the time when Tommy was really struggling. Yeah, he he was struggling with his game. Obviously, mentally he was struggling. And the first, I think Tommy missed. Tommy was missing cuts every week when Finno first started carrying for him. And Finno, I remember sat in an airport with Finno and having a conversation with him about it. And I said, and he was like, "Oh, like what's going on? I'm missing every cut. Am I making the right decision?" And I said, "Finno, I says at the end of the day, mate, he's one of your best mates. You want him to do well, and he's he's a." Very, very good player. And it's only a matter of time before he turns it round. Because he was obviously, he'd left his job and he obviously had a wife, he had a kid. Yeah. Um, and it's hard when you're not making any money. It's like, how do I provide for them? And he was going through that stage at the start where he was worrying about it. And, and I could see it in him because he's he's normally such an energetic person. But Finno stuck by him. He worked his arse off with Tommy and he knew Tommy was always going to turn it round at some point. And he's reaping the rewards from it now. Definitely. So I think you've just got to he even though now he's making a decent amount of money, 
he's still at, he's still been in a position where he wasn't making the money and he was struggling like every like a lot of other caddies do. And he fair play to him, he's stood by and again he's he's watching Tommy contend every week. Unbelievable. Which is which is good. Yeah, definitely. One thing I other thing I want to touch on, Rice, he was um did, did you see have you seen a, a big change? There's a big drive and distance debate now where obviously the the USGA and the RNA are trying to pull that back. Did you see do you see much change in equipment over the years and with the players? Are they always constantly chopping and changing with the clubs and things? Yeah, I think I mean, a lot of it is to do with the manufacturers bringing in new equipment out. So they always want the guys to to use the new stuff. Like, and you, your pings, your titleists, your tailor-made, they bring like four drivers out of year nowadays. And it's all about it's all about how they sell it. And they want the best guys to use their equipment. I mean, it's it's a tough one because the game's changed so much over the last few years. These guys are so athletic. They're in the gym every day. They're working. They're working. The trainer and the stronger, and the and that put together with the with the equipment. I mean, again, equipment changes every year. They they're more advanced. They they know more about shafts. They know more about how certain club head speeds suit certain players. All that sort of stuff. Uh, and a combination of everything. Obviously, they, these guys are bombing it. Yeah. And you look at some of these numbers on these trackmans that they're posting. It's scary. I'm joking. Eh? Do you know what I mean? It's like you look. You look at your your Brysons and like I I sat there last week and I watched. I was chatting with Rory and, and his caddy. The numbers he was getting on his on his his uh, whatever it was called the trackman type thing. He was carrying it like three forty six. I mean, who who carries it three forty six? Do you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong if. If the equipment, his fitness levels, is I mean, listen, he's he's one of the best players in the world. But three forty six. I mean, I was made up when I was carrying a two seventy in my heyday, and I probably still only carry a two seventy now. <laughs> but you look at these, you look at these boys with the with the equipment and the, the the shafts and and the fitness and the dedication they put into everything. They're bombing it, yeah. and it's hard because I mean, Harold's still Harold's still on the old driver, and they they give him new equipment and they give him new shafts and. Sometimes it's it works for guys, and sometimes it doesn't. Some guys stick with the old with old equipment because it works. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's just ch- it changes all the time. Yeah. The manufacturers are bringing new drivers out, new three woods, new irons that are easier to wear, better shafts, and they're talking about making golf courses longer and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. All all the all the best all the best events are on. If you look at Riviera, twelve unders winning it, and it's. It's not a long golf course, but it's not a short golf course. And the rough, the rough wasn't that that high, but the greens were small. The greens were quirky. You've got to hit it in the right positions off the tee, slightly tree line, and it makes you think. Like you don't have to make these. There's a big thing about the golf ball raining the golf ball in and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think that's that should be a factor. I think just make the golf courses a lot harder. Rory made. Do you know what I mean? A point about it's only the the very very minute percentage. There's only a couple of yeah. people doing that. Like the likes of us, we're not going to do that. If they start changing the balls, it's just going to make us not enjoy it. It's a kneecap and everything. And that's the thing. It takes the it takes the enjoyment away from from the fans and stuff. The fans at the end of the day, it's a it's a fan sport. People want to see guys hit it three hundred in the air. People want to see guys make birdies. People want to see Rory at seven iron to two feet yeah, from yeah. two hundred and twenty yards. No stuff like that. And I think if you start bringing all these restrictions in and I think it will just take the fun factor away from it because if you start making it harder and guys start making bogeys and stuff like that and five five over par winning tournament, which will never happen on the PGA Tour, but yeah. like uh, making bogeys, it takes that fun factor away from the, from the from the people watching it on TV, from the people watching it at the golf tournament. Well, that's it. Since we've do, we've been doing this podcast on the statistics, the longest hitter has only ever won it once. Apart from and Bryson at the US Open, that and yeah, that speaks for itself, and that's only us doing a little bit of numbers. So, well, like, exactly. It's all, if you look at all the old school golf courses, they're always the best ones, and they're always the lowest scoring ones that win it. Like you, you look at your like say Hilton Head, your Riviera, your your memorials. Um, them golf courses are just set up well. Do you know what I mean? They're not they're not made for guys. Well, they are made for guys that hit it miles, but you have to think. You can't just bomb it three fifty off the tee. So yeah. the emphasis is on the rest of your game rather than just being on your driving distance. 
Yeah. 100%. So I don't know. I just I, it'll be interesting to see how they. I mean, they're talking about the shortening the driver length now since Bryson's obviously when trying to go to the forty-eight inch one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting over the next couple of years how they how they approach the equipment side of it. Yeah. Talking talking about drivers and hitting drivers. Do you ever remember the um, the hole in one you got with your with your second ball yesterday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually top it. Did you know you top it off the tee first. I, 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 I topped it into a gorse bush, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Because it, I remember I remember it blowing a gale and I was about four stone ringing wet and like <laughs> fifth uh, and uh it was funny because I seen someone with a, a Nike driver the other, a few a few months ago, and it was one of them SQ drivers. Remember the Nike SQ yes. driver? Yeah, and I think I I, I was like, all oh, right, I had one of them. It was an SQ with a, a Graphite Pro Launch Blue in it, and I was like, I remember I had a hole in one on a par four at S and yeah. I was like, it was my provisional low. Well, <laughs> 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 the, the funny thing was, is I topped the first one, and I was like, oh, I'm going to hit a provisional, and the guys were still on the green. Remember? Yeah, yeah, and I've 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 smoked it, and the guys are like, Whoa. and I was like, oh, sorry, like I thought I'm in shit here, yeah. and I got up there, and they I obviously I was like, where's my ball? And they were like, oh, it's in the hole. They were cheering for me. I thought they were just like <laughs> hailing abuse at me, yeah. but I had to go, I had to go back, and I got found my other ball in the gorse bush. Ended up making five, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, nightmare! They were, they were, they were well, the days. Have you had? Because I remember um, we played at. Um, a charity day at Formby Hall, and I put it to like a couple of inches. And then I remember thinking, I've, I've won the prize. And then at the end of it, you got called up for the prize, and it was like, and he's had a one. And I was like, the cheeky bastard. <laughs> on the six, on the sixteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was playing with. Remember Bab, uh, Babs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was, play, I was playing with him. Uh, I've had, I had one. I've had one at Bootle on the first hole. I remember it in a, a tailor made burner five wood. I played with Finno, I think, off the back tees. And it was like 200 yards, and I've got me bearing a five without like, oh, I can't get an eye on it. <laughs> yeah, I remember I had a hole-in-one there. I've had a hole-in-one on the 14th. I put all the par three. Uh, I've had one on the uh, eighth hole at SNA. I've had one on the 10th hole at SNA where I, I played with Mark Raybone in a foursomes game. I had a hole-in-one there. Uh, where else do they have a hole in one? I think I've had six. I think I've had six in total. I had one of four mule yeah. there, and I think I had one on the sixth of four mule as well. Sixth, uh, I think I've had six. No, oh, it's the best feeling ever, isn't it? it is. I think the best, the best one was that five would have ever had because I, I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to reach the green there. <laughs> you got, got everyone's here like five iron. I've got my little tailor made bearing a five without. Yeah, I have, oh, no. I've, had on, I've had one on the first, the SNA, and just thin the life off a three iron, and it went up the contours and round and in. <laughs> That's the hardest hole in golf as well when the wind blows, isn't it? Oh, I've, been, I've been seven iron off there, and I've been driving off there. Yeah, I can imagine. So are yeah, you fully, you're fully in Florida now, then, right? So you're, you're fully based there, living Yeah, there? I'm, I've, I've, been ba- I've, been, I've been based here since, uh, since last May. Yeah. Obviously, I've been on. I spent a year here in the two, start of 2018. I had a, a year and a bit, here and then went back to the UK. And then, yeah, we come back, come back out of here now. So I'm fully, fully out of here full time. It's just so hard to, to, to work out here and live back in the UK. So, yeah, everyone's over here, based ourselves over here. Yeah, it's good. I enjoy it. I mean, the weather's. I mean, you wake up, the weather's perfect every day. It's, yeah. it's in the summer. It's so hot here in the summer, though. Um, but yeah, I'm looking looking forward to the family and stuff coming over. Really, like obviously everyone's shut down and trying to get a few of my mates over here, especially you boys. I've heard you've got a bit of maintenance to do on one of your cousins' houses. <laughs> <laughs> they won't, and they won't let you in. Mention <laughs> <laughs> I was not the <laughs> They've they've obviously been watching this podcast and was like, I'm not letting him in. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's tough at the minute because obviously. I don't really know too many people here. Like, uh, there's a few of the lads that I live around here that I play golf and stuff with. Um, and obviously, I'm away working quite a lot. But it's hard to like go out and like get involved in anything because obviously, because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, a few of my mates and stuff want to come over, but with all the travel restrictions and stuff like that, it's it's hard to get them over. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm just trying to get into a bit of a routine when I'm off work and. Trying to play a little bit of golf myself, try and get the bug back a little bit. Yeah, 
It's a and good job. It, good job I get free golf balls from tour. <laughs> I've been losing a lot of them. <laughs> it's a, the, the girl, my girlfriend now. She's want, always wanted to live in Florida, so she's been thinking about it. As soon as all this is like done, went to get get out there and, and try a year out there. So you could yeah. have a neighbour and me. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be fun, won't it? To get rid of No one will be able to understand this. It's so funny because when me and like everyone's like, oh, you've lost your accent because you've been away so much and stuff. But then when me and Finn are together, everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't understand the word you say. I mean, everyone comes over and they're like, oh, you know Finn? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, like nicest guy ever. I can't understand the word he says. I'm like, <laughs> good. Wait till you listen to me and him together. But yeah, listen, it's a great place. I'm, we're like half an hour from Disney. The kids love going there. And there's some good golf courses around there. And, and you've got the weather as well, yeah. which, is a mass, which is a massive factor on psychologically as well more than anything when you're waking up and it's raining every day back in the UK and it's you wake up here and it's just sun's cracking the flags but it's good it's nice to be it is it is a good part of the world to live in and it's easy for me to travel I'm right close to the airport so I can get back to the UK easy enough um, you get around America good. as well for the other events and different things yeah and, that, and, that, and that's it yeah I'm, I mean as I say I spent a year doing all the long haul flights and it was just a nightmare with jet lag and stuff where at least now I can drive to a lot of events like next week I'm at Arnold Palmer 20 minutes away from there Players Championship the week after and two hours then the Honda the week after week after that I'm two hours away yeah. and you see a lot uh, we drive to a lot of events over here it's great yeah, it's just like one road and you're on one road for 400 miles <laughs> <laughs> matchsticks but, yeah Put on the chain smokers on repeat and just music fires. <laughs> oh, listen to this song like fifteen times because that's the that's the funny thing about it over here. It's like you put your sat nav on and it's like oh, I'm six hours away, and then it'll just say six hours on this road and you don't come off it. <laughs> you boys have obviously been out here enough to know that. Yeah, right, when I was in when I was in my scholarship in America, we done um, for spring break. We done we drove from St. Louis where it was up to Panama City in Florida, and that was. That was 12 hours. I can't I can't do it. So six six hours is my max. I'm like, I can't do any more than six hours. Even when it gets to four hours, I'm like, I'd rather fly. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean, I'd rather go and just spend an hour or 45 minutes on a flight than sit in a car. It's different when you're with the lads because you have a bit of a laugh and stuff, but it's just so boring when you're on your own and it's just one road and it's just like, oh yeah. I'd rather just get on a plane. Yeah, but yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy it out here, mate. It's good. I miss all, I miss obviously miss all my mates and stuff back home and being able to go to the footy and, and playing golf with the lads and stuff. But you can't have the best of both worlds, can you? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually gets to this point in the podcast where we say, "So, what are the plans for the future?" But we obviously know you're going to stay with Harold for two years and then move on to someone else. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I've actually got it on my calendar. The actual date of two years, just to let you know. No, I haven't really. But listen, this this he's for me, he's the guys that I've worked for have been great and I've enjoyed every minute of it. But this guy's got he's he's so different. He's just got so much energy, like and he's he's talented. The kid can play the game. Like he's so good. He's just gotta he's just gotta put a few pieces together and and hopefully we'll start contending a lot more than, than what he has done. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we kick on this year and we try and I mean, the goal is to try and get top, get him that top fifty in the world, get back in the Masters. Like he's never he's never been to Augusta before, so that's that's partly like one of our goals is to, is to try and win a, win events and him to to start get back in the Masters and be competing every week because yeah. he knows how good he is. Yeah. So that's my plan going forward is to just enjoy it. Hopefully, we get through this COVID stuff so we can start getting back to some sort of normality and. Um, especially for, 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 for you guys back home shite. especially when you want to get over here Kevin or, I don't know how much you want to be over here lad. Um, but yeah that's the plan mate and hopefully with this vaccine and stuff we start nestling things down and everyone starts sort of getting back to back to normal hey, speaking we can about, crack on speaking about not understanding people what about does Harold Varner want to get on the Bogey Boys podcast or what well he's got his own podcast i seen that well, today actually that's why I didn't want to ask but I thought fuck it I'm going to ask <laughs> yeah, um, listen, I'm sure. Yeah, do a, do a collab for with him. And again, he's one of them people where he'll he, he loves like he's a people's person, so he he'd love probably sitting there and having a chat with you and 
probably taking the piss out of you and probably you taking the piss out of, it, out of him as well. Do you know what I mean? He loves all that. So hopefully, we'll, yeah, let's try and, let's try and get it sorted. Well, you can come on with him as well if you want and I'll do like a player caddy little thing because like we, we've done that before so it works, works quite well. What? So he, so he can just give me shit and tell me all That's the mistakes really, that I've made? Then we'll the, find the, ones that I never, the ones that I never told you. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll have a long list. But <laughs> <laughs> now speak to him, see what he says, and then we can go. From yeah, there. no, yeah, for sure, definitely. As I say, we've got. Um, he's doing a little bit of it this week. Actually, he started it yesterday, I think. Uh, so he's he's obviously excited about that. We've got this week, and hopefully next three weeks we try and crack on. But yeah, let's try and. I'll speak to him and see if we can try and get him on. Have yeah. a have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, 100%. That'll be good. Yeah. Look, mate, so you wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. No, thanks. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks for taking yeah. us down, my No, no. Thanks for having me on. And again, you boys are smashing it with all the players that he's getting on and fair play to you. She's a good well, lad. Just because we be cheeky like that. That's how we get Yeah, well, that's it. And people, and people love it, don't they? And that's, that, that's the difference between you guys and a lot of a lot of other guys who are doing podcasts like you are from Liverpool and you just don't give a shit. So it's like I'm just going to say it anyway, whether you say no or not. So, no, but I mean, all all the best and hope, hopefully stay safe and hopefully we this we sort of get back to some sort of normality and you boys can come over and yeah. play a bit of golf and definitely and get some podcasts with some of the boys over here, which would be good. That'd be safe, yeah, man. Boss. Yeah, we'll keep in touch Right, boys. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Anyway, take 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 care of yourselves. Take care, mate. Speak to you soon. See you, boys.